Welcome to this episode of Business Under the Influence. I'm Kristen Dees. <laughs> the reason why this exists, <laughs> I'm so sorry to everyone. The gentleman to my, you're below me, that's weird, um, is David. He has a long storied history in leadership in a variety of areas, including cults and monasteries, but here he is today. And he actually, fun fact about David, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but um, he was actually invited to be a member of the USA bobsled team in the Olympics in 1992, but had to turn it down due to other commitments. Very busy. Yeah. Very important. Uh, there was a flash sale on Beanie Babies and I couldn't pass that up. <laughs> so you're like a millionaire now? He bought uh, the wrong ones. Yep. yep. Oh, yeah. He's actually like in the hole. $7,000 still. Still. <laughs> still to this day. <laughs> With inflation. Uh, <laughs> Uh, all right. Uh, this is uh, Ben. Uh, ben has a lot of experience in making businesses go good, and uh, he has some letters after his name to prove it. Um, fun fact about Ben is he, uh, this is kind of topical, so I thought it might be a fun fun thing to bring up, um, but he once won a British game show to marry the queen. Um, but right before he tied the knot, uh, he found out he was both allergic to corgis and Prince Andrew. <laughs> Everyone's allergic to Prince Andrew. <laughs> <Fucking> yikes. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, uh, this is my good friend, Kristen. Uh, she has a long history of leadership and management in the corporate sector, as well as a small business owner. A fun fact about Kristen is that in high school, she was voted most likely to start a cult. <laughs> That's a true fact. Yeah. I can't dispute that. <laughs> and why would I? You know what I mean? Like, why would I? So this episode, listen, uh, is a redo because <laughs> we got a little out of hand. <laughs> so <laughs> We flew too close to the sun. We flew too close to the sun. We were like, we get drunk on school nights? Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so we're talking about how to figure out where all the money goes as a small business owner, which is very confusing. Oh, but before we start, should we do drinks? Yes, Absolutely. definitely. Oh, um, I, so I did a little pre-gaming. I did um, a nice Twilight Pale Ale and a glass of rye whiskey. I'm now on an Imperial IPA uh, for my next one. And then I've got my backup, should I so need it, into a nice hazy IPA. Mm. Oh, a man of many okay. cultures. Yeah, that, it's amazing to me that we don't throw up more often, but go on. <laughs> ben? <laughs> All right. Uh, I pre-gamed with similar. Wine, whiskey, now we're on to the Freya Blonde Ale from the Viking Braggot Company of Eugene, Oregon. Shout out, it's fantastic. Should go there if you're ever in Eugene. Truth. I am drinking Kirkland's Finest Chardonnay um, Vine Evergreen Vineyard 2019. Uh, it's from Washington State. And every time I drink white wine, I'm reminded why I don't drink white wine. So mm. that's about where we're at. Yeah. Wisdom. Yeah. Yeah. Not great. Also, K-Vine is nauseous. the latest hip hop artist. Yeah. That is for sure a name I would see come across the radio. Oh, I was like, is that real? Though? No. Like, okay. It can be. <laughs> okay. New career? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because we already, <laughs> we have too many. <laughs> we're too many careers. <laughs> uh, when okay, did I adult so, so hard? Yeah. What's the point? We have like 50 years. Isn't that what we figured out, Ben? <laughs> we had like 50 <laughs> years ago. Like, uh, let's like spread it out a little, you know? <laughs> yeah. uh, okay. So we're talking about where does the money go? 
Um, ben, where do you start? Like, oh boy, a budget or like don't spend <clears throat> money? Like, where's the what's the plan? So the topic on the whole is like, I'm a small business. I'm doing something. I'm providing a service. I receive money for my services. Uh, and then I have overhead costs. I have to buy things for those services, be it glitter, be it alcohol, whatever fantastic business you want to create. So, so a strip club? <laughs> I, I was, I was going to say I, Unicorn Rodeo Bar, but sure. Ooh, we're going with Unicorn Rodeo Bar. What are the yeah, costs okay. for a Unicorn Rodeo Bar? Uh, but I think the costs are the place you want to start. In looking at a lot of small businesses, if you aren't meeting the required overhead, that's just a minimum line. That is the hard stop bottom. And there are ex <laughs> and there are exceptions to that rule. So when you're starting up, you will have like startup loans, you'll have lines of credit, things like that. But for long-term stability, there's a minimum line you need to meet. And so you need to have a handle on what are your overhead costs, you know, whether that's daily, weekly, monthly, annually, uh, whatever those add up to. So it almost sounds like you have to know how much things cost and then you have to make sure you're making that money. Yes. I mean, the second part of that statement is you now have a minimum you can possibly charge for your services to break even. Okay. And then if that is over your customer's price threshold, you have a problem. If your glitter unicorn is $1,000 and people are only willing to pay $10 for it, you don't have a product or a business. It's not a great idea. Bail I, now. I, I feel like you saw a lot of this with like uh, Starbucks really hitting like everyone wants cool, fancy coffee in the Northwest, at least. And we saw a lot with like Dutch Bros and then coffee culture and then a whole bunch of small mom and pops were like, oh, my God, coffee stands. Very little actual square footage, very little upkeep as far as power, anything like that. Coffee just prints money like it's so cheap. How much can it be to brew a cup of coffee? And then they didn't realize how much you have to keep stocked up of all the extra, the muffins and things like that, that the perishables and then just keeping them staffed because you ran into a lot of them with uh, where the owners had to staff it all the time. And then they realized, holy shit, I can't afford another employee. We're working here six days a week. This isn't fun anymore. And so they did not fully realize that they can't price at like Starbucks price because Starbucks has so much capital behind it. And they were trying to stay there and realize they couldn't clear that cost anymore. And a lot of them just immediately went out two, three months six months and then when they realized i can't actually match that that anymore but if they bumped it up by 75 cents people are like well there's literally a starbucks on every block why would i not just go it's there when you run into economies of scale where starbucks can sell the exact same drink for less because they are buying the coffee cheaper than you are when they put in an order for ungodly number of tons of coffee they are getting it per pound cheaper than the mom and pop shop and you could dive into a hundred conversations on where they're sourcing it from, whether that supply chain is ethical, uh, whether the price they are getting is fair. But the fact of the matter is it is then difficult to compete against economies of scale in either manufacturing or sourcing materials. So what about like 80% um, of entrepreneurs based on my internet research um, bootstrap and don't get financing of any kind and just like start a fucking business. So how is that different from like the example that you, <laughs> I forgot words. I was like, what's the fucking word? Glitter it's unicorns. It's example um, where you're talking about like, you know, having financing or so like 
you go get funding for this startup and it's going to be a year before you start turning a profit, yada, yada, mm-hmm. yada. But like, what about people that are like bootstrapping shit? Like myself? I feel like there is an important distinction between either a lifestyle company as it's called, or a, I don't want to call it a mom and pop shop because mom and pop shops can be absolutely incredible and some of the best places you've ever visited. And honestly, some of the best run businesses, but an innovation strategy. So when you think of a startup, you think of VC funding. You know, we aren't even profitable, but people have given us $30 million because they think we're going to be profitable someday. That is a wildly different concept than starting a home painting business, or I'm starting an interior design firm. I'm starting an architecture firm. All of these things are relatively well understood industries, and you are simply setting out to make your own version of that similar thing. Uh, And those are two different classes. So when you talk about entrepreneurs, 80% of entrepreneurs bootstrapping kind of makes sense because VC firms are not diving into another architecture firm that has no separating value proposition. They're diving into the one or two places that they see uh, with a new form of power generation, nuclear fusion. Some company claims they can do nuclear fusion. That is the kind of wild unicorn that these places are talking about when they say entrepreneur. Uh, And so it's really broken down by lifestyle company versus innovation YOLO, if you will, uh, full send into the new, backed by millions of dollars and a dream and way too much cocaine. But I I do think- I think I did it wrong. Yeah. Yeah, I think (laughs) I did it wrong. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. The the cocaine innovation route sounds fun. Yeah. Yeah, I I think I could have had a cult by now. Yeah. Okay. VC also means venture capital for those of us that- didn't know that before they knew Ben. <laughs> Explaining um, acronyms, brief tangent yeah. on venture capital. Yeah. So venture capital <laughs> means you are venturing out with your capital, presumably a large sum. So you have $20 million and you want to invest in some guy with a new idea. That's venture capital. And there are lots of firms. That's where you know Snapchat came from. That's where Airbnb came from. That's where I think Facebook got VC funding very early on. But when you think of the Bay Area startup, Uh, That is venture capital, is the bulk of money propping these businesses up in the early term. And that's more of like you said, like uh, like an invention of some sort. So Mm -hmm. innovation, something new, all of those things were not things that we had before. And it was like, hey, we're going to do something different and like hope it works out Mm -hmm. with lots of money and then cocaine. Yeah. In no particular order. Yeah, like we're going to build houses with blockchain. Does it make sense? No, but with enough cocaine, maybe. (laughs) Yeah. With enough cocaine, maybe, is a good life motto. Ooh, title of the episode. Don't do drugs, kids. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so... Your your original question was on, like, like is bootstrapping okay? Well, um, that's not necessarily the phrasing, but I mean, like, the difference in the way that you were describing... Like, where does the money go? How to plan for where the money goes is different when you're bootstrapping and you're inventing the money as you go mm-hmm. than getting $10 million or even $100,000 or whatever it is to be like, hey, or if it's a loan even, because like sometimes people do get financing from the bank. Although, mm-hmm. side note, it's usually guaranteed on their personal finances first. That's like a whole different thing, but like- it's terrifying. What do you do? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yeah, so like planning for all that kind of shit, like- how do you, where, where does it go, yeah. Ben? Yeah. And and like the question I would add to that is, you know, you always hear companies don't make money in their first year. How long do you stay losing money before you realize you're a failure? 
I've made a huge mistake. This is going to sound rough or be very heartening to a lot of businesses. I don't know where you are in this journey listening to this podcast, uh, but the standard value that I've heard is most businesses are not truly profitable, like paid back all of their loans and are paying their owners like five years. Four to five years is when you begin to pay back that initial investment from bootstrapping and getting bank loans, which is... well. I define in my brain, and maybe this is a, like bootstrapping to me is let's just say starting a consulting business in your apartment with no overhead, <laughs> hypothetically. Um, and you're just like making money on the, you know what I mean? Like there's nothing, nothing, mm-hmm. you don't really have any overhead. You're just like pulling some money in or I've had clients before that actually more than one that are like, I think I have a business now. Like I started Oops. doing a thing and then people started paying me for it. And I think I should have a separate bank account. Probably that seems right. So they're just like kind of doing a thing. And then they're like, ah, oh, fuck. Um, like that to me is a whole different type of operation, but that's actually a pretty large <clears throat> percentage of actual entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. I would say. Totally. And that'll quickly become cost analysis or where does the money go? If I'm, oh. if I'm building something, if I'm, I don't know, carving wood and selling signs, custom signs that people want, I'm already kind of looking at, I know how much the wood costs, whether it's fancy. I know how much my tooling costs for either jigsaws, wood stains, uh, sandpaper, whatever it might be. There's a big volume of stuff that is required to make what I am offering. And when you have that realization, when you're like, I should have a separate bank account, you should also start the journey with an Excel sheet of, I should know exactly how much it costs me to make X or Y or Z. If I look at a sign that is three feet wide and a foot tall, uh, it's got two colors on it, I need to sand it, I need to stain it, uh, you can add up how much those materials cost, and then you can time yourself. How long did it take you to make that? Then how much do you want to get paid? Do you want to get paid $30 for each of the hours you spent making that sign? Cool. Now your cost of goods for that sign is, I don't know, $180. That's a minimum price. If you don't sell that sign for $180, you are not breaking even. So then on the other end, that's where your money is going. And then on the other end, you need to understand the price sensitivity of your customer. How much do people expect to pay or are willing to pay for a custom wooden sign? If they're willing to pay $500 and that's really common, great. You have between $180 and $500 to fuck around to play with how much you want to pay yourself, to play with new materials, new tooling, whatever it might be. But that difference between your customer's expectation and price sensitivity and your cost of goods sold is where your business lies. If you have not balanced those two, you got to start on that immediately. Okay. So you know how like we have this conversation sometimes about how you have like a fancy degree (laughs) and everything I've learned has been like, uh, by accident, mostly. <laughs> Sometimes when you tell these stories, I feel a little bit better about my, I'm like, okay, <laughs> all right. I've told people this before. Yep. Okay. This makes sense. This is reasonable. Maybe not with the same words. Like we're doing a cost analysis. I'm like, I don't think you're charging enough, but <laughs> we should do some math, but it involves tracking time because every fucking entrepreneur does not track their time. Like at That's some point one. they're like, my time is free. And I'm like, it is never free. <clears throat> it is the only, you are, it's your most limited resource. But it's a passion. I'm passionate about it. Um, I love unicorns. Yeah. And your passion will murder you. Okay. So, um, 
the the note that I made myself, sorry, side note, um, was like testing pricing. And I think in the example of a person who's making a product and there is a very clear cost of goods sold versus someone who's doing like what I'm doing, where um, there is essentially no overhead. It's all my brain and like Zoom. How do you figure out what how to price your shit? Ooh, that's a really good question. And also, not I one... like I like how your note was like test pricing and mine was like workshop. Ben handles your wood.com. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I could think during Done. this entire wooden sign thing. And you're like, oh, let me learn something important. And I'm like, ooh, website <laughs> name. <laughs> well, what was the thing that Ben you said something about bottoms and I was like, ooh, <laughs> keep it together. Something, something uh, power bottom. firm wood yeah okay anyway so yeah like pricing theory because i mean i have one perspective of like my life as an entrepreneur entrepreneur on the internet and like all of the hustle culture and the conversation that's out there about like charge more it's like but why though like why i don't have like a i don't have a calculation to say it cost me this much to use my brain besides like sadness and despair, you know, I mean, like that costs something. I would something, like but... one of those. Like what if I could yeah. quantify my depression in Excel? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> my anxiety is my superpower. I like to call it strategy. And you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I feel like it's a really trauma. good question though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've had like, wine. <laughs> what do you do? What do you do when you have a very nebulous cost of goods? What do you do when you're just telling people words and you want to get paid for the words that you say? Sounds great. Comparison is, I mean, you could be a college professor is one, and then they pay you a salary and you're like, got it. That number of cents is how much my words are worth. But being a, I don't, a consultant I don't like that. or... <laughs> yeah, I don't like that at all. Mm-mm. Yeah, you have a dollar value in your life, David. But how much, how much can you charge when you have almost no cost of goods sold? but you don't want to sell your services for a dollar. You can still create a general minimum of would I work, you know, would I work a job for $17 an hour? Would I sit down and get paid and have a conveyor belt of people come in front of me for an hour each, presumably, and get paid $17 an hour to talk to this person? Probably not. And then depending on your experience level, which is really what the question is about, because like a 16-year-old could be a consultant and if you want to hire them, fucking sure they probably have some social media insights but like uh, yeah is is there time and insight into the economics and functions of the world going to be as great as someone who has started several businesses not as much so there's a there's a cost discrepancy there and i feel like comparison is really going to be your main tool uh looking at other consulting firms what they are potentially charging is going to give you an idea of customer price sensitivity someone has done that legwork for you if there's five other firms charging $200 an hour for one consultant, there you go. That seems to be what people expect for the industry. Uh, and you can try to charge more of that or more than that, depending on your experience level or kind of niche, or you can charge less than that if you, for whatever reason, either you want to be, yeah. What about uh, the measurement of ROI? Return on investment is kind of nil if you've hit that minimum like would i work for 17 dollars an hour no would i work for 20 dollars an hour yes if you've hit no i mean i mean in the valuation like i i am telling you that i will give you five times the money like if you pay me 200 dollars an hour you're guaranteed to get if if our project is ten thousand dollars you're gonna Mm -hmm. make fifty thousand dollars on the result value proposition 
it's going to sound really bad, but fuck them. They, like, they paid you for your services. You provided that service. As a consultant, you are not guiding their business. You do not have the authority to make decisions for their business. Maybe you do. There are some contracts that allow for that. But in general, you've upheld your half of the bargain, which is, you know, we can get into contract law in the United States. But if they can either choose to listen to you or not. If I pay someone $500 for two hours of consulting and I make a bunch of business decisions based on that, I might make money or lose money. I took a chance by hiring that service. And if I believe in what they provided to me and that loses me money, that's unfortunate. That's also very nebulous and long string or series of events. That may be the hard answer for the customer is that if you are hiring a consultant, you also need to be aware of your own industry, of your own business, of everything that's going on, and you can take or leave their advice. So if I'm looking at how much to charge something for something, pretty much what I'm hearing is if I'm not like a VC unicorn where I'm inventing something new no one's ever seen before, is someone's already always done the legwork. And so it's just going to take, if I want to open up a business in unicorn rodeos, that's a VC. If I want to open up a business in sign making, someone's already done the legwork on how much average cost is, supplies are cost, how things are charged. Mm -hmm. And so if I want to open up a small business or accidentally fall back asswards into a small business because people people be buying my BenHandlesYourWood.com signs, then I just have to be willing to put in, if I'm passionate about this as a business, I need to put in the time to research so I'm not mm -hmm. coming in blind. Yeah, research is huge. Just figure out. Because honestly, it, it really comes down to the customer expectation. It doesn't matter what your profit margin is. It matters what the customer expects to pay for this type of service or anything that they think of as an analogous service. And that, that like can be annoying. Yeah. I feel like especially in the world of Google, where someone's just going to Google wooden sign makers near me, mm -hmm. and you're just going to be a result in a list of aggregated results. Mm -hmm. or well, are, I think... Oh, go ahead, Ben. Or are a lot of these services or like educational consulting services, is the price kind of suppressed in this age of YouTube Academy and Googling? There isn't as much need for a lot of the base level consulting or how-to services as there used to be. And the effort required to do that job has not decreased. The cost input has not decreased, uh, but the accessibility has increased. And what the customer might expect to pay or the value, as Kristen mentioned, that they expect to get out of hiring someone versus learning from YouTube has seriously increased, right? That gap is a lot wider than it used to be because you can learn a lot of shit on the internet. I think for me, like just in my experience over the last few years of doing this is that like, I've never personally really had an issue with charging what I think I'm worth or what my experience is worth. Basically, it's been a progressive increase over time while I like refine my services. So like at the beginning, I didn't charge very much because I was like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Like I have some brain juice and shit and like... <laughs> I'm good at some stuff, but, uh, you know, like you kind of test some theories and you like work it out or whatever. So now it's like that part's not the thing. It's like, what was my fucking point? I had Customer a whole point. sensitivity. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. 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 So, um, I think it kind of depends. Cause like, so for consulting slash coaching, 
uh, people just kind of like charge whatever they want to charge. And there's this whole like culture out there of charge more. And so you've got people running around willy nilly charging $10,000 a month for fucking coaching. And they have no idea what they're doing. They're just like, oh, I took a certification and I Googled how to run a business. Ah, I'm back. It came back. All right. So the whole point <laughs> that I started with um, was you can Google shit and like, I do that a lot of entrepreneurs and like everyone, like there's a lot of DIY. Let me Google some stuff and figure out like the base level understanding of what I need for this X, Y, or Z. And then as my business evolves, I start to invest more and more money into either learning at a higher level or hiring someone to do something for me, like those kinds of things. Because at some point your brain, if you don't already have the expertise, it can't do the thing. Like I could Google physics, which is fucking made up. Um, like we can all just agree 100%. that physics is not real. Yeah, it's absolute bullshit. But I could Google physics. I could teach myself physics, but it is not the same as having someone teach you or do it for you that really knows what they're talking about. So I think like, as far as like knowledge people, like you can, uh, I give away a shit ton of stuff for free because uh, one, I, I do genuinely want to help people. I'd also like to be a flabby billionaire, but like, I want to help people, but that's how people like get to like test, test whether or not you actually know what you're talking about too, is like, Hey, here's, here's some content that I have that helps people out. And then at some point people are like, Hey, can you actually help me with this thing, this project, or I really want to start selling 10,000 widgets a month instead of a thousand, like that kind of shit. Mm -hmm. So it's just so it's such a tricky space, the like brain juice stuff. I really feel I like it highlights the gap between knowledge and comprehension because mm. i could know an equation in physics i could google any equation yeah. and given the variables to put into it i could presumably come to the right answer there's a ton of calculators uh, it's fucking wild you can do like separation of variables if you just google the variables and mathematics. no one knows that have. no one knows what that means some like one of our listeners will know he's, that he's not even speaking english anymore <laughs> yeah i i fucking blacked but, out yeah <laughs> but versus understanding where I'm using those things as a tool, but I understand the core concepts of what are ha what is happening, and I can adjust my model or I can adjust my thinking based on that core understanding. Similarly, I could say, oh, I know how to run a unicorn bar. Great. I'm sure I could find on Google the average price of liquor. I'm sure I could find on Google a bunch of other stuff. How much do unicorns cost? I don't know. Do you lease unicorns? Probably. But to truly know how to do it, to run a unicorn bar and then understand a lot of the the tacit skills or the tribal knowledge of leadership, of unicorn temperament, of like the how much sprinkles stick to shit, <laughs> that that is understanding. And you aren't necessarily going to get that from Google. And I feel like that's what a lot of people miss in just plug and play variables for how to run a business well. And that's me. Hello. I learned a bunch of formulas. Pay me to help do you, you remember? Out. <laughs> do you remember when I texted yeah. you guys the other day and I was like, I literally had to Google how to do a subtraction formula? <laughs> yep. like, yes, yeah. In Five Excel, minus three. Like, oh, in Excel. Not, right, yeah. Not how yeah, subtraction works. Yeah, not how, not the concept <laughs> in general, but I was like trying to create like a little calculator and I was like, how do I, but how do I subtract something? Like I know how to do, like my proudest moment is being like, yes, I can do equals parentheses, parentheses. And then it's like, 
some there's a sum in there i could that's the only one i could do oh, and then yeah. i was like how do i fucking subtract something though <laughs> and it's he just subtracted <laughs> with like, the minus sign with the minus <laughs> sign Whew, but don't i can't do a v look up though that shit fucking blows my mind oh, so anyway fun. yeah um, pivot my, tables my, yeah my victory was i can do I a walked, pivot table yeah you just right click and say pivot table uh what? i yeah. <laughs> I, uh, my, my victory was being able to get something to change colors when it came close to a date a year out from <gasps> something. That's so exciting. Right? Yeah. I got it to be like, oh, yeah. when it's a year out from this date, I need it, or like 10 months out, I need to turn yellow. Then when it's like yeah, uh, 11 months out, I need to turn orange, and then I need to turn red when it's 12 months out. Oh, my. Also, by the way, Excel is absolute horseshit at actually creating. Uh, it, I have to, like, stack a variable on a variable on a thing. Someone's going to be like, oh, you can just put this in parentheses. It'll solve it. No. Bullshit. It does, like, week outs really well, month out really good, years. No, fuck off. It's There's so a bad. dog under a blanket. Oh, he loves oh. being under blankets. Yeah, it's his, it's his jam. He's a denning dog, I guess is what they... That's adorable. Yeah, he sleeps. He has like the whole other side of the bed. Sorry, David, you were on like a rant. Excel is not a programming language. No. Okay, it's, so uh, anyway, uh, I, I, actually, yeah, I did actually yeah. have have a, a rant. And there, there is, so there's this uh, growing trend on a couple of the podcasts I listen to of business experts who are starting to get burnt out on business college people like people that graduate bachelors in business because they do a lot of oh i read this i watched this i listened to this podcast as i say listening to this podcast uh but i i like i I did this i read this i did this 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 and they're like okay well what work have you had they're like well i left high school and then i got into this really good school like they're like oh i went to wardens i went to yale i went to this and they're like yeah but what, what what jobs have you worked and they're like what do you mean like I went to school so I could run a business. And he's like, so there's, I was listening to a podcast where a guy's like, I just don't hire those people anymore. Oh, same. If you, if you have not worked a job and you're telling me how to run my business, you literally have no idea how anything works. So I don't even want you. And so I, he's like, there's this growing trend in these places where people are coming out of these factory mill of like Ivy League business schools, knowing absolutely nothing about how the business world actually works. And there's like, oh, I read this book or I read this case study or I did this, which that's all good if you have application. It's the same thing as Ben said. Oh, I memorized this thing. And they're like, okay, well, tell us the speed of a particle splashing into water. And they're like, well, tell me every variable. They're like, no, like, um, you know the you don't, thing. You don't have every variable. You don't have every variable. Yeah, you have to figure it out. The and they're like, nope, yeah. I, can't, I can't anymore. So that's, I think, what you're seeing more and more is people get, like, YouTube smart. But when it actually hits the moment where you're like, oh, do you know how your team is going to react when you tell them that you're reducing their headcount but increasing their hours? Yeah. It's like, that's the smart decision to make your business money. But how do you tell your team that without them burning the entire fucking yeah. building down yeah i've actually um i talked about that like a couple times recently too where it's like as a as someone who's been a hiring manager for a minute <laughs> i look so young on zoom though um <laughs> it i will almost always discount a college education like they will lose points if they only have a college education um or maybe like a college job they worked at fucking jamba juice or whatever uh, because they don't, it's the oh, practical don't, application. Don't, don't, don't Jamba Juice. That's a, I mean, that's it's a fucking bomb, dude. Like, it's, it's a landmine of entitled people wanting overpriced juice. Like, that's like, probably like, that's the Vietnam so of like retail. <laughs> that's like, in the trenches. 
Also, they work in a mall usually, so that's like a whole different. Like we worked retail, okay, and then like Jamba do like in a mall, whole different fucking beast. Those people deserve. They should have like a pension after like six months at fucking Jamba Juice. Anyway, I digress. Um, actually, David digressed. That was not my fault. So. Fuck, what was I even saying? Oh, yeah. So, like, if somebody comes in, like, fresh out of college, way less likely to get, like, even take them seriously than somebody who has worked at a job from high school on. Because they just, like, don't understand how the world works, much less how a business works. So, like, to your point of somebody going to business school, and then they're just like, I should be an operations manager. And I'm like, but you can't even talk to people. So no. <laughs> Ooh, um, I have a, I have a tangent story about this. Ooh, go so on. pure academia is uh, what is being discussed, but Ooh. working for major corporation X or Y, I don't know if we're at the point of just disc- look me up on LinkedIn. It doesn't matter. Uh, but we're on the <laughs> intro training course. Me. And, and every, <laughs> original every major corporation you go to is going to have some sort of onboarding you have training courses for how to use a ladder you have training courses for cybersecurity. any kind of web-based training uh some of those have to be in person like electrical training or chemical training stuff like that uh, a lot of chemical handling and <laughs> don't, should be i will say should be with a professional instructor if you're going to handle <laughs> trimix or hydrofluoric acid uh, I but, agree, so, but... <laughs> so I'm in one of these courses at one of these first jobs that I start in corporate America, and there is a slew of newly minted PhD chemical process engineers, and they are super smart. They have a PhD in chemical engineering. They have done school since the day they were born, and they are the biggest fucking twats. Oh my God. If you're in a safety class with someone telling you about hydrofluoric acid, don't get into an argument with them about how technically safe it is depending on the kind of glove you use right you are not petitioning like osha or any of these organizations to change their health and safety standards you are trying to flex on the rest of the class that you are a chemical engineer phd half of that class is also chemical engineer phds don't fuck shut up and listen if it's your first job i don't care if you have a doctorate shut up and listen is my uh (laughs) my life advice yeah, no one fucking cares because to David's point, I mean, we should you crawl it. in the should we... you crawl in the garbage compactor? Probably <laughs> not. Are you going to because something fucking got stuck again? Absolutely. Yeah, you just open the door so the camera can't see. I'm just saying. I've heard. <laughs> and then you just say, Corey, 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 yeah. Corey, do not walk away and take a smoke break. I am in the compactor. You stop everyone from turning the compactor on, Corey. <laughs> yeah. Don't let anyone in here. You have one job. Hypothetically. One job. Yeah. But like, if I die, you know, just walk away. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't, don't ruin your life. (laughs) That that was my tangent on uh, first time jobs. Yeah. You don't know anything. Shut the fuck up. Okay. Pay your Mm -hmm. dues like the rest of us salty motherfuckers. But bring your ideas. But shut up. But also don't. Yeah. You know? (laughs) But also don't. (laughs) Yeah. Your ideas are dumb. We've already tried them. Mm -hmm. Thank you. But as a business owner, hiring these people, uh, you've got some overhead associated. Just going to circle back. I was, I was about oh, to say, that. so where does the oh, money drink? go? Yeah. Where does the That's money a question go? I have for you two. How do you cost new employees? You have a job that needs to be done. How do you determine how much you should pay that person? Oh. Oh, no. <laughs> oh. Depends. I mean, 
Like in corporate land or small business land? Small business land. Corporate so, land is a mythical, different place. Yeah, that's a that's a made yeah, up there's, bullshit. There's like, no rules someone there. tells you what you get to pay people, yeah. you don't get to decide. Um, so you have to be able to pay somebody what you can competitively competitively <laughs> pay somebody for the job that you're hiring for. Uh, because like the thing that I like people debate a lot right now too is no one wants to work. And I'm like, no one wants to work for 750, Karen. So um that's the problem. <laughs> um and I think that there's a lot of businesses that also don't have super healthy environments either. So it's like nobody also wants to work for $17 an hour for a shitty fucking boss that treats them like they don't matter and they should just be super grateful for the opportunity to sweep shit up, like actual shit, you know? One, there's the pay aspect of like, what is an equivalent pay rate for this job? So if you're hiring like your first like whoever person, what does this job make? And can you pay them a little bit more? And give them a little bit more flexibility because like you just like you can look up pay rates like what is the average operations manager make what like at what size of company like there's ways to figure all this shit out but can you pay somebody competitively preferably a little bit more or offer them like cool benefits like flexible schedule being able to work from home sometimes because people are super into that right now and if you can do that then awesome if you need somebody to be in person then cool but like pay them Stop trying to pay people the minimum that you can possibly fucking pay them. Like that's, that's the how you whole... get the minimum person. Yes. Oh, and it's how deep. you get like perpetual fucking turn. <laughs> like if you want to be able to keep people, you have to fucking pay them better. You have to pay them better than any other company pays them, period. I mean, it doesn't have to be like a hundred dollars an hour versus eighteen dollars an hour, but if if everyone else is paying eighteen, can you pay nineteen or twenty? Because that equates to either $2,080 a year or $4,080 a year. No, somebody did it. 41.60. Yep, there we go. Anyway, <laughs> it's a very minimal impact. If you're already considering paying somebody 30 grand a year, then like a couple extra grand, if that's going to break you, then you shouldn't be hiring a fucking employee. <laughs> anyway, did that answer the question? 100% agree. Okay. And yeah. the overhead is not just the what you can pay them, it's the benefits you can offer, which... Yeah. Again, don't nickel and dime that. You might pay the same, but if you offer health insurance and you offer 100% covered, really good health insurance, awesome. That factors into your overhead costs as a business. That's probably still pretty small compared to your global overhead costs. But if that creates stability for you, that might be worth it. So in determining costs, it's not purely this balance of costs you spend versus money incoming. Within that black box, as we talked about it, there is there's a human element. If I can provide these people healthcare with a little bit more overhead cost, and that reduces the profit that I make, that could be fine if I'm creating a ridiculous amount of stability. If I go from 70% turnover to 20% turnover by making a little bit less profit, do that. Are you kidding? Yeah. The amount you'll lose in the long run with that much turnover and that many shitty employees and hiring the minimum, it's not worth your time. It's not worth your headache. Yeah. Give people benefits, create a stable platform that you can grow from. It's the like if, if the words out of your mouth are nobody wants to work, then you are the problem. Truth. Yeah. I think Period. The, like I think, you're the fucking problem. Yeah, I think the big thing people don't realize is if you hire someone uh, and give the bare minimum, you're just training them for the next person to pay them more. And also, so, relationship advice, that... 
Yeah. So yeah. if anyone wants to like this also <laughs> yeah. this relationships too. Uh yeah. if you give the bare minimum, you will get the bare minimum every yep. time. Yeah. yeah. So like the the big thing you have to think about is like when you train, especially as a small business owner where you have maybe three to twelve to twenty-five people, you as the business owner is probably the one that is going to be doing the hands-on training. Which means now every time you train a new person, there you paid them seven fifty an hour, but you make thirty-five an hour. So now you're paying forty-two fifty an hour to train a new person, just to have them leave after three weeks, to pay the next person essentially forty-two fifty to train them up to have them leave, because your money, your hours are going into training that next person as well. So if you can say instead of 750, what if I offered 14 and now I'm almost doubling everybody else's, but I never have to train another person again because this person is going to be here for the rest of their natural life. For 14 Those, an hour. I mean, like this is like also, I, I yeah. welcome to America. Yeah, this is your Florida point prices. though. You give, yeah. give them fucking raises. Like don't give them the fucking 27 cents Ooh. like an hour, like oh. 3% cost of like, give them a fucking buck oh, in this... six months or a year or whatever. Yeah. Like give it something like relatively substantial. Cause that's also mm-hmm. still not that much. <laughs> I have a <laughs> like... spicy take discussion. Yep. that might not be for this Ooh. episode. Oh, oh, just, just lay it down. Now we can take notes on it. All right. Well, you're going to forget. Bit. Yeah. I like, am can't. a believer that you should pay people near the max you are ever going to pay them when you hire them for a given job. <gasps> yes. This bullshit of like, oh, I'm not going to pay you this now so that I can give you raises in the future. What the fuck is that? If they Mm-mm. change jobs within your company, yeah, pay them more. That's a different job. But for a given job, there is a pay rate and you should pay that. This like, yeah. oh, you'll start at 50,000 in two years. You know, you'll get a couple of raises. You'll be at 57,000. Why? If you're lucky. Why? Just give them 57,000 and create a dedicated employee. Yeah. Sorry. That's my, it's like that's the whole, my hot take um, for a different episode. Dan, Dan Price of Gravity Payments that pays yes. everyone a $70,000. <clears> I mean, that's, that's a little spicy right now. <laughs> oh, is it? Oh, yeah. Isn't he yeah. a little spicy? He is very spicy. He stepped down as CEO and is currently in court for uh, physically assaulting people. Oh, I knew it was too good to be true. That's unfortunate. I mean, the company is still doing the company is still doing great. The company (laughs) is still doing the same thing now that he's gone. He's just a little spicy. I mean, but he's also a little bit of a shit stirrer. But that's the whole thing. Like, that's how you fucking change, like, the perception Mm -hmm. of things. Is someone being like, hey, you guys don't actually have to make $32 million a year. Like, Nobody needs to make $32 million a year if you can't fucking keep your employees fed and happy. Like, what's the point? And you can also be a great boss without hitting people. Just throwing that out. There. I mean, it turns out. That's debatable. Ask, ask some <laughs> of my people. Yeah. <laughs> so I do want to throw out there, though, that employee overhead, the reason this is such a big part of this topic is that's going to be a massive portion. I don't care what yeah. business you own. The people part is going to be huge. Like 60 to 70% of your overhead costs, salaries. That's it. Yeah, there's really no way around it yeah. if you're going to grow a business. And I, I feel like that's one of the weird things is they always tell you to work at like, try and get everyone to like 0.85 FTE 
that way they can flex up for emergencies and things like that. But I feel like that's more conventional business wisdom. In a startup, you have to be like, when can I afford? Like, when is the soonest I can afford another person? Because you're in, if you're trying to grow your business, all you are thinking about is, like you said, Ben, that bottom line, what is the bare minimum I need to keep this business running? And like, when you can surpass that with the next person's salary, do it because you're trying to just grow your business. Mm -hmm. So you want, another person in taking on more things taking on more tasks but like for most of that you're going to be living in your early life at like everyone's at 2.5 fte and we're going to have a great time but like it's fun because i treat you like a person and I, because i think you're a person what a concept and that's how you grow was successful small business mm-hmm. yeah and, and again it's really different between a vc funded business and a normal lifestyle new business I feel like in a in a venture startup where the money goes is everyone's working at 110% FTE and they're all super stoked to be there. And then you pitch and you get even more money. And instead of relaxing, you do more cocaine and work at 130% FTE until you are the next phase. But with more people. But with more people. Yeah. Yeah. And more yeah, The money is actually just for Adderall. And uh, with enough cocaine, <laughs> maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, but like, do we know where the money goes? Yes, I mean, I I do. Let me uh, let me Create lay a some budget. Yeah, budget. It goes to Excel, is where it goes. It becomes magical numbers that aren't real in an Excel sheet that you should still understand. I do love data. God, I just don't right? like to make the data. It's yeah. beautiful. Making that the data is, is stressful. That's like real people's no, lives. I love making the data. I hate extrapolating for the data. Oh, <laughs> that's good to know. You wanna you wanna dive into that? No. You want to talk to? <laughs> Is it because you don't care about people? Maybe. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't care but what the the story is that the data tells you. <laughs> we we should talk a little bit on strategies for how to break down your costs, though. We we keep yeah, saying I mean, like we should. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, yeah. understand your costs. Seventy percent of it's going to be overhead. Great. What's the other thirty percent? How do I actually know how much it costs me to make a unicorn or cover one in glitter or serve people drinks from this unicorn? That is going to be unit analysis is the magic term. So physics nerd, unit analysis is the most powerful thing in the universe. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Let me uh, let me give you some knowledge here. The most powerful thing in the universe. Yeah, you can work backwards with unit analysis to get to just about anything. That's just fucking algebra. Like, what what kind of shit are you talking? It's genius. (laughs) Uh, So so say I've got... I need to cover a unicorn in glitter and have it serve drinks from its horn. Great. There's a bunch of stuff going on. What if I could break down those costs into an understandable or measurable amount that I could use to then predict the future, right? If a bottle of vodka costs me $12, I can make, uh, I don't know, 12, 15 drinks. I'm not a bartender. I'm not good at this. Uh, from that bottle of vodka, I now have a overhead cost per drink. I have a uh, whatever mixer you're adding this, whatever labor. If it takes two minutes to make this drink, take an hour wage, divide it into two minutes, and then add that dollar to this singular drink. So when you convert everything into the same units of either per drink per hour, per bottle of vodka, per unicorn, per sprinkle, you can create a consistent or a normalized platform to analyze the rest of your business. 
And that is, that's what you use Excel for. That's when you open an Excel sheet and you're like, okay, rent $2,000 a month for the space that we are in. How much per drink, how many cents per drink goes to paying rent? You can break that down with unit analysis. How much of that requires actually being in operation to like fine tune? Like how much of it is very broad strokes, rough guess? I did my research, average cost of a vodka drink or a whiskey drink or a lager drink. You know, any drink that reminds me <laughs> of the bad times. Or the drinks that remind me of the bad times. Drink. Uh, but any of those, like drink. how much of that is broad, <laughs> broad strokes? And then you, and then like six months in, you are able to fine tune a little bit more. Now it's stuck in everyone's head. God damn it. You're the worst. Uh, how does it go though? Something knows. Uh, some... Pissing so... the night away. That's okay. There it is. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. You're uh, welcome. <laughs> But you're talking about like order of magnitude impact. The yeah, the like pers- like I'm 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 trying to figure out like how many drinks do I made need to make per sprinkle. But then I find out that at a unicorn bar, people aren't really into stouts, but they're really into lemon drops. How much do I have to adjust my mm-hmm. like how how much is in like how much is a live scale? of I just need to adjust to stay in the black and how much of it is a, this is where I want the business to go. I need this. I just need to get the numbers to match this. Right. Which is definitely going to be order of magnitude. Again, physics, if it's close enough, if it's within a zero or a decimal point, you're probably right. And I feel like a lot of bar owners are going to fight me on this because they run on pretty small margins, but you need to find the thing or the unit that has the biggest impact, whether that's sprinkles. If sprinkles are in every single one of your drinks, they might cost you know a tenth of a penny per sprinkle, but they're in every single one of your drinks. And so if that tenth of a penny goes up to two tenths of a penny, that is a massive percent increase to what you are selling. So once you do 200%. this unit analysis, yeah, I was going to say, 100% oh, I think I know this one. Yeah. <laughs> It's uh, times two. You guys know I only know two math. That's why I was surprised you got. Them. That's why I was surprised <laughs> you were able to do the salary so fast, dude. It, I honestly like. I went to another plane of existence. I was like, oh my god, this is like eight times two, but like eighty times two, which is worse mm-hmm. than eight times two. So <laughs> it was yeah. it was amazing. Who needs college? So, <laughs> Go so on, I'm gonna then. use Sorry. an example that is a little bit more. <laughs> clear i think because i understand it better i've never run a bar full disclosure don't run a bar based on this advice uh just talk to your friends that you know how to run a bar but with the we know people health... that run bars we can help yeah oh we yeah. should bring some bar owners we go to, to bars <gasps> oh yeah i drink oh, alcohol we should okay go on uh but in the in the healthcare industry so you will get reimbursed by insurance in the United States for a given procedure, for a given billing code. And that reimbursement rate is determined mostly by the insurance company. But say you get reimbursed $90 for the same billing code from one company, you get reimbursed $110 from another company, you get reimbursed $50 from a third, so on and so forth, until you have a massive spread of reimbursement rates for the exact same procedure you can then have an average. Okay, we get reimbursed an average of $110 for this same procedure. We have uh, 17 people administering this procedure six times a day. 
cool. There's some stuff I can start to add up. $110 times number of procedures. That is a theoretical revenue stream. I have overhead costs of the salaries. Again, like 17% or 70% of your overhead costs is going to be salaries. Uh, you have rent, administrative costs, legal, finance, whatever it might be. And then you can break down this business into the components of, or what percent of your revenue is what overhead costs. So rent might be 10% of your company. Uh, salaries might be 70%, so on and so forth. When you find, when you build a model and you find the thing that drastically changes all of those percentages, that's usually the hidden gem. And in healthcare, at least in my experience in like therapy and clinical services, that is average reimbursement rate. If I create a model of overhead of my practice between how much I pay people per session, uh, what their benefits cost, what payroll taxes in the state of Oregon, when I model my entire business and one of the variables is uh, average reimbursement rate, the difference in revenue between $110 and $111 is massive, absolutely massive, like $10,000 a month kind of difference. And that is the kind of thing that you don't really realize. This is David's original question. You need to find these things that are orders of magnitude difference that are kind of hidden until you really model the business you're working with. So like for me, what if I'm doing a unicorn bar, I think unicorn upkeep is going to be my biggest cost, but that's oh, actually a pretty, but that's actually going to be a pretty set fee. Once I get into the business, I realize it's cost per sprinkle is really what's actually driving how much I need to charge mm -hmm. for all of the things in my business. So I do the research and I say unicorns are expensive. It's a $10,000 a month leasing fee. As we found out, we lease. Mm -hmm. uh, we we lease our unicorns over a 10 years of 22% APR rate, which is rough, but they're mythical creatures. So I get it. Uh, happen. Yeah, do that. And then, but that's all I've accounted for that. And then that does not change. But then I realize, holy shit, sprinkle costs, like, oh my God, there's war in the sprinkle fields of Sprinkletown. <laughs> and now I can't The Smurfs get... are at war. <laughs> I can't get my sprinkle exports anymore. That's where I'm like, oh shit, this is actually the driver of my business. How do you, as a business owner, how do you adjust to say like, oh shit, I've realized I've miscalculated this really poorly. How do you adjust adjust to try and correct without like overcorrecting into putting all of your money into sprinkle exports and then losing your unicorn? I am a nerd and I firmly believe in attempting to model whatever you're doing. So if you have a business, it's stable and you're making money, still model it, still open Excel and do this unit analysis and understand what percent of overhead cost is what percent of revenue or equates to what percent of revenue, what percent of your uh, like materials cost equates to what percent of revenue. And then you can even assign a risk factor if we're talking about wars and things like that. Then you're like, okay, I ne actually need three sources of sprinkles because one of them might just stop supplying tomorrow and then I'm kind of fucked. But I think what that comes down to is even if you're stable, even if you're doing great, I still think you should model all of the costs of your business such that you can play with the variables. Because when that question comes up, when something rough happens, when your entire staff quits because you're a piece of garbage, uh, when a, the Smurfs go to war and you can no longer get sprinkles, you can open this Excel sheet and it's not going to give you the answer. 
you still need to play with these variables of cost per or amount of, but you have a tool to start going, okay, what if we did this? What if we did that? What if we reduced the overhead cost here? What if we charged more? Is it acceptable to charge more for this product? Because if we charged $2 more, we could make the same amount we used to despite the supply chain issues. Can we use edible glitter instead of sprinkles? Because exactly. of the war in Sprinkleton. But until you do that kind of technical modeling, you're just guessing. You're guessing what components of your business you can play with. And I'm here to tell you, you don't have to guess. You can make an Excel model and be a little bit more precise with that. I mean, there are so, still assumption tables, but... So what I'm hearing you say is vibes are not a good way to run a business. No, no. If you run off vibes, uh, like, I'll grab a beer with you. That sounds great. Listen... I run on vibes. <laughs> I will throw hands for vibes. Uh, but I love your spreadsheet that like does those things. Like it's super helpful because it's like algebra where you're like, here's, but it's like all the numbers, but then you can like play with the numbers and then it like does the math for you where it like to your point of what if we charged $110 per session instead of a hundred or what if we charged $150 or what if we had five mm. people instead of four people doing the things like just being able to like play with the different <clears throat> numbers on stuff because that's hard to do when you're not a nerd mm -hmm. and you so. it's it's not it's not welcome to tangent and rant number ben, two ben you're a nerd okay. so you like it i'm none yes. of the rest of us do i'm yes i'm Hashtag a nerd. vibes yeah i think it's one of those things that you just get started right you don't have the entire Excel sheet planned out in your head. You type it up perfectly the first time. No, you're going to be deleting cells all, all over the place. You're going to be like, oh, fuck, that's not what that actually means. Scrap that part. Read it. Like, this is going to take a hot minute. Ooh, uh, and the best way to do it is just to open Excel and go overhead costs in column A. And then no dollar values. Just list out the shit you pay for in a given month. Start there. See what happens. I wish that we could put comments on our screens yeah. so that when oh, we're yeah. like, when we're heckling Ben, that like, we could just like type it so like people can see it. <laughs> what <laughs> a so nerd. Great. Yeah. Fucking well, it's loser. Like, this He's like, just open an Excel spreadsheet and like put numbers yeah, in. Put open. numbers in. Or Google Sheets. Yeah. Well, this is the thing. Like, uh, <laughs> so this is my biggest mistake in Excel. And I don't know that there's a solution. Does anyone know how to switch it from a Y orientation of data to an X orientation of data. A pivot table? Who's the fucking nerd now? Uh, no, mostly what happens is I made one graph that pulls data in a certain way, and then I have to retype how oh, I got That's it. because you selected the X when you should have selected the Y, and you selected the Y when you should have selected the X. But I want it to look a certain... I want the X-axis to be a certain thing. <laughs> yeah, you select that thing to be the X-axis. I don't understand the question. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's being very nice about calling you stupid, though. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm just, is there a function I can do? Because otherwise, I, I just retype the shit into a new function. Can't you like, copy paste? You're, you're going to look for transpose. From if you down have, to there. If you have a big column and you want to make it a row, Google transpose. Oh, there we go. See, there we go. That's what I needed. I, I didn't. I didn't know you meant the data set. I thought you meant like what you actually had as the y-axis data. No, and I was like, select the, the other set. Because I, I built an entire function that pulled data out of a table, and then I got the data from the person, and they did the data down 
and I had it built oh, across. Oh, and I that's was like, you just make just them fix them. it. Yeah, yeah, fucking make them do it again. <laughs> they get paid more than me, so they're, they're, they're more important. So, What, oh. is your title bigger? Oh. No. Oh, title. all right. Do you know their boss? Yes. Okay. Do you Start. like their boss? Does their yeah, boss I, like love, I love their boss. They, but the problem is their boss likes them, too. Better? Ooh. I mean, they get paid more. So if, uh, when hours... I mean, that does not mean shit. There are a lot I just of people mean who hours make a lot of, of money. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, transpose is the function you're looking for. You can actually. That's you your fucking answer. You actually, can... I actually don't think their boss likes me. Oh. Their that boss makes is, more sense. Their boss that is tracks. cordial. Their boss is cordial in emails and helps me out. But I don't think they like me. I like you, David. Thanks. Calvin does. That just says more about you, Ben, though. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, oh, Ben. Um, okay, so we'll work on corporate manipulation later. That can be like a whole different episode. <laughs> oh, yes, oh, look, God. my cat's, my cat's the party. <gasps> I, I, th- I think soft power it's an orange versus cat doing yeah. its best. I think His soft power versus uh, hard power is a uh, great topic to bring up. What you get more with sugar than vinegar or whatever the thing is? Well, just like I just... there's there's things you can do with like uh, this is my title, therefore this is what I can have people mm. do. Versus like soft power, where you're like I've built up these relationships, oh, therefore I'm all about I yeah, can soft get. Power. Yeah, can we so... just call that episode Daddy. Yeah. Or like uh, I'm great when I'm soft. <laughs> you know, like sometimes <laughs> it's like cool that we're like buds. <laughs> That's the most wholesome thing I've ever heard. You know, sometimes it's, it's cool that we're friends. <laughs> you know, you know, I appreciate. But then sometimes, you. sometimes I wish you didn't talk. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you know, you know, what we should do as an episode like this can be like our Halloween special is how we all met, and then like our our like largest conflict oh, drama yeah. that yeah, we can yeah. share. <laughs> My favorite uh, is that, like, my two defining conflicts with you, you do not even remember. It did not even, even it did not even <laughs> ping on the radar. But for me, they're like I the two largest conflicts. Ass, I know who I won those conflicts. Who? Kristen. Well, yeah, because I don't even remember. remember the interaction. They're like core core memories for David, and he's like so <laughs> traumatized. That he got his ass beat for shit that I actually did by my like I beat his ass for shit that I did. <laughs> oh, we're fine. Um, welcome to your thirties. So anyway, <laughs> where does the money go? Where does, where the, money does go? the money go? Make a budget. I mean, make what we haven't I, even I, talked about budgets. I well, just I, talked about you should model your business and learn Excel. But that doesn't. That's not where the money goes. I feel like that's a completely different topic than where does the money go. Kind of worthless. Yeah. Like you can. You can quote me on that. Where does the money go? It goes to overhead. I think is what we largely determine. Okay. It goes to salaries. It goes to human overhead uh, because that is super important. People are people, and labor costs a lot of money. And with the current inflation, it costs more and more and more money. Eight point five percent. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking yikes. Uh, and that's that's largely where the money goes. But you should know. I mean, this is kind of impossible to truly do for a business. Like your numbers will not be accurate. But your pipe dream, your holy grail, your goal is to understand that for every dollar I spend for this business, I make a dollar and twenty three cents. So I have that profit margin. That's your holy grail is to connect every cost 
and take your revenue and do that unit analysis, that model, you know, how much do I make per employee, per drink, per night, per whatever it might be, and try, try to say that for every dollar, I make a dollar and 23 cents. And it won't be accurate. I guarantee it will not be accurate. It is still an estimate with assumption tables, but that is your goal to make a stable business. So the other thing that I'm learning from Revenue Stream is that your bottom line, your bare minimum you can possibly make, must equal or exceed people's expectations of what they should pay for your service. Yes. That's very otherwise, good. That otherwise, true you're, otherwise yep. you're just not a business. You're a charity. Man, that should be a white paper. Yeah. That's, uh, let's publish I'm that. I'm sometimes smart. <laughs> I'm um, sometimes smart. David Sullivan. Have degree. <laughs> That's what the college got me. Mm-hmm. Crippling anxiety. Uh, oh no, summaries. I didn't go. To, I didn't no, go to no. college, and I still I got, had that. So I got summary abilities. Ah, information. Webster's dictionary defines definition as the explanation of a word that I just used. <laughs> uh, okay. Anyway, so where does the money go? No one knows. But unicorns. Math. Yeah, yep. unicorns aren't real. Money is not real. You watch still your, your job to figure it out. And and find the thing that hurts you the most, Ooh, and yeah. make that the focus of your business. Oh, I was like, I don't know. Oh my god, that <laughs> got real dark. Straight to the core. Jesus I don't know if it's the crazy. thing that hurts you the most because I would argue that your human overhead, your salaries, are going to be the thing that hurts you the most. Is your biggest cost, but that is not your most fundamental but variable. I mean, I mean the delta, the delta that hurts yeah, you the most. Find the, the delta. thing that changes. And will hurt you from mm-hmm. changing the most. Acceleration, I believe, is the... Nope, not even gonna... I see Kristen's face. <laughs> <laughs> find okay, find the um, variable that changes a little, but changes a lot of revenue is your goal. Yeah, see? Because like we were using like a library of vocabulary and then david was like delta and like we already like you can't that's like a new well, I mean, episode like, you, you can't just you gotta find the non-linear variable is uh is yeah, where you gotta delta go with that <laughs> no i mean non-linear I started, is more accurate I, I started with the thing that hurts you the most so <laughs> that was like who hurt <laughs> <Fucking> you <laughs> Everything, everything, is, everything terrible. is terrible. <laughs> I fucking nailed it. <laughs>